Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. I have been looking forward to this sermon for a long time. I have some good news for you. For those of you who call God Father, I've got some news for you that's going to warm your heart. And for those of you in this room, maybe you're watching from your living room, who don't really call God your Father, you actually view him as kind of this harsh judge from a distance, maybe this news today is not just going to warm your heart, maybe today is going to jumpstart your heart. You see, what we're going to talk about today is grace. We're going to talk about being born again, and most of what you're going to hear from me today has to do with the heart. Now, let me make sure that when you hear the word heart, you're not mistaken. I'm not talking about the thing in your chest that's pumping blood around your body right now. That's not what I'm discussing. Look up here for just a second. When I use the word heart today, I'm not, and I'm going to use it a lot, this means who you are as a person. This is talking about your emotions. This is talking about um, what makes your personality. There's really no place that you could point your finger in the human body and really talk about the heart that I'm describing for you today. It's what the pastor and theologian Paul Tripp calls the center of worship in your life. Your heart is who you are as an individual. And what I want to do today is make a stark contrast between your head and your heart. In fact, I just put it up there on the screens for everybody who's watching this broadcast, everybody in this room to see perhaps the largest jump a human being will ever make is this distance from here to hear. It's the leap between your head and your heart. And today the Bible is going to show us a guy who is being asked to make a jump between the head and the heart today. A very religious man by the name of Nicodemus. This is one of the most famous verses. It probably is the famous, the most famous verse in the Bible because this is the verse that you see the guy at the basketball game or at the football game hold up for everybody in the world to see. Today we're going to see how John describes Jesus' conversation with this man who knew the answers in his head, but he didn't really have it in his heart. Jesus' conversation with a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Now, spoiler alert, all of the language today is going to talk about kind of jumping over a big gap, like on a motorcycle or on a mountain bike. I was going to show up today, no kidding, in a sling with my arm all bandaged up because I was supposed to be in surgery, and that didn't happen. And I was going to use all of that as like a funny joke today, but of course, that didn't happen, so the whole thing just fell apart on me. But we're going to go with it anyway. In fact, I'm going to tell you about a guy who just two days ago, a guy by the name of Alex, tried to set the Guinness World Record for making the longest jump on a motorcycle. But when you hear the word jump, I want you to think, not jumping over a big uh, hole in the ground, I want you to think about the jump from right here to right here. That's the jump that Jesus is going to describe for a very intelligent, very well-educated religious man who, when this conversation starts, is not at all a Christian. 
And here's how the jump begins. It starts like this. We have to set up the whole conversation, or I'm calling it setting up the jump today. And it begins with a conversation when this religious leader by the name of Nicodemus shows up and has a couple of questions for Jesus. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Here's the question that he asks. There was a man from the Pharisees, incredibly um, educated probably the most religious or spiritual man in all of the land, a Pharisee. There's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler, a theologian, and kind of a judge for the Jews. And this man came to him, Jesus, at night. And look at how he addresses Jesus. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. And here's how we know that. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God were with him. Nicodemus is pointing to Jesus' miracles and saying, okay, word's getting around Jesus, and nobody can do the kind of stuff that you can do unless there's something different about him. This is kind of uh, Jesus' way of setting up the jump. Now, I want to teach you about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was so an influential Pharisee and, and a member is. of the Sanhedrin. He showed interest in Jesus' teaching and may have become a believer. Some scholars see Nicodemus as a secret disciple. Others have tried to identify the Nicodemus of the Bible with a man named Nicodemus Ben-Gurion of the Talmud. Nicodemus Ben-Gurion was a wealthy first-century member of the Sanhedrin who lost his status and fortune later in life. Some believe his losses were tied to his possible conversion to Christianity. John is the only gospel that mentions Nicodemus, whose name means victor among the people. His relationship with Jesus develops over three episodes. Nicodemus comes to Jesus, who explains that no one can enter the kingdom of God without experiencing a second birth, a birth of the Spirit. He honors Jesus by calling him rabbi and acknowledges that Jesus comes from God. Although some scholars suggest that Nicodemus visits Jesus at night to avoid being seen with him, Others say that the imagery of darkness represents his unbelief or doubt. Nicodemus struggles to understand Jesus' explanation that he must be born again and asks, how can these things be? Jesus explains further and then offers a most succinct outline of the gospel message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Nicodemus somewhat defends Jesus before the Pharisees at the Festival of Booths. When other Pharisees speak against Jesus and seek his arrest, Nicodemus argues that Jesus should receive a fair trial according to Jewish law. Some suggest that, as a fair-minded member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus is urging just treatment for the accused. Others allow more room for the possibility that Nicodemus sympathizes with Jesus, even if he's not yet a believer. He likely knew that he could not win an argument with the Jewish leaders if he championed Jesus' cause outright. But he might be able to prevent them from taking drastic action by raising a legitimate legal question. Nicodemus brings about 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes to prepare Jesus' body for burial. The account identifies Joseph of Arimathea as a disciple of Jesus, but it offers no clear statement of Nicodemus' faith. However, the surprising amount of spice indicates both Nicodemus' great wealth and his ultimate recognition of Jesus as king. Scholars note that this quantity of spice would be used for a royal burial, pointing to John's depiction of Jesus as king. 
There's lots of controversy, a little bit of question about who this guy Nicodemus is. And as you just heard, it's only in the Bible book of John that we even find out about this guy. But he shows up at the beginning of the book of John and a couple of times before the book is over with. What you're reading today is this incredible conversation between a member of the Jewish Supreme Court and somebody who he calls teacher, between Nicodemus and Jesus. And if you just look at the beginning of this conversation today, there's a couple of fascinating things that happen. One, Nicodemus says, we know something about you. People are making claims about you, Jesus, and they're kind of trying to figure this one out. But Jesus, I've read the Bible enough to know Nobody can do what you're doing unless God is with you. And the unless statement here, some scholars believe, is a statement like, hey, I really believe God is with you. I tend to believe, other Bible scholars believe, it's actually a question. What Nicodemus is really asking is, Jesus, I've heard the reports of the miracles, and I'm listening to your message as you talk to other people. And now I got a question. And here's the question, Jesus. Who are you? You see, what Nicodemus is struggling with is, are you the one that all of Israel has been waiting for for thousands of years? Are you that guy? And I'm convinced Nicodemus is asking the question that everybody who's watching and listening to my voice right now has to answer. You have to personally answer the question, who is this guy Jesus? As a church, we like to call him King Jesus around here because we declare he is the king of the universe. He is also the king of my soul, which means he has absolute power and absolute control over every area of my life. But the truth is, many people would say, Jesus, I think you're a good man, maybe even a prophet, but I'm not sure I would call you my king I'm not sure I would call you God. This is the classic discussion from one of the most brilliant Christian minds of the last century, an English professor from Oxford University named C.S. Lewis, who said, there's really only one of three answers to this question, who are you, Jesus? You can either say he's a liar and the claims that he's making are not true, you can call him a lunatic and say he really believes the claims that he's making, but only a crazy man would make those kind of claims. Or C.S. Lewis says there's a third option. And it's the option that those who call God Father would choose. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's your Lord. And what Nicodemus is asking in verse 1 is, Jesus, I've heard the stories, and I've started listening to your message, and I want to know. Who are you? And that sets up the next part of the jump. You know, now that we've got the ramp built, now we can take the short run up to the edge of the ramp. I want you to notice what happens. If you look at your Bible, this ought to jump off the page at you. Jesus literally interrupts the guy and just goes straight to the heart of the point. This is what we would call in the military the bottom line up front. And, and Jesus just calls a timeout and says, Nicodemus, I'm going to give you the answer that you're looking for. Here it is, one verse. Jesus' answer interrupting Nicodemus is, truly, I tell you, 
unless someone, and I want you to substitute your name right here, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Boom. A mind bomb just went off because Nicodemus hasn't heard born again language and he's going to really struggle with this born again language. This is a huge turn in the conversation and Jesus just abruptly interrupts the guy and gives him born language. Now I'm going to just tell you my opinion. I wasn't there spoiler alert, I wasn't there when Jesus and Nicodemus had this conversation, but I really believe Jesus is using born-again language because no human being on the planet is crazy enough to take credit for their own human birth. Would you agree? You didn't have a whole lot to do with that. Somebody else had something to do with that. And talk to, by the way, talk to any couple that's ever struggled with infertility, and they would tell you it's actually not even mama and daddy. It's much more God in heaven that chooses when and who is born and where they're born and all of those things. Jesus is going to use human birth to describe and illustrate spiritual birth. And he says, Nicodemus, check this out. You don't have any control over when your mama and daddy gave birth to you. And God in heaven alone decides who and when someone can be born again. And this is a real struggle for Nicodemus to understand. There's basically only two kinds of Christians out there. Or there's basically only two kinds of people in this world. And I just described them at the beginning of our broadcast today. There are people that say, God, I have been born again. And that makes you my father. Or you're going to look at God very differently than those of us who have been radically changed by the Lord Jesus Christ, by King Jesus. To you, he's going to appear as some distant deity that does not care. Or worse, he's going to be maybe a lot like your physical daddy on here, on earth. A harsh disciplinarian. But you didn't get a lot of love from him. Jesus is describing this amazing grace relationship. And I just kind of want to ask you right now, right in the middle of this sermon, have you come to the point where you realize I cannot fix my life? I had no choice and no influence over when I was born, and I cannot fix my current circumstances. I need God to do a miracle of new birth in my life because that and that alone can fix me. Have you ever come to that point? That's the short run-up now that we're on the ramp. And here it is. Jesus just kind of lays out the difference between human birth and spiritual birth. And now the rabbi is going to have to teach the great teacher of Israel a few things when Jesus describes the ramp of faith for just a second. This is us standing on the edge of the ramp. This is you. This is me. This is Nicodemus standing on the edge of the ramp. And it's all right here in our head. And we have to decide, I understand what he's saying but do I really believe it? I get it, but do I, am I ready to act on what I get? I understand it, head, but do I believe it, heart? Here's what Nicodemus says next to Jesus, because his mind has just been blown. Uh, Jesus, 
How does a human birth work in reverse is really what Nicodemus is asking. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus is going to explain what he means by born again. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water, you're in your mother's womb, a water birth, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see the word and, we're talking two distinctly different births, meaning just because you're here on planet earth and your heart is beating does not mean you're going to end up in heaven. Whoever is born of the flesh is flesh, but... but and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. A separate or a second birth is really what Jesus is describing here. And Jesus is placing him on the edge of the ramp, and he is asking Nicodemus now to understand the difference between a physical and a spiritual birth. Here's where it picks up next in verse 7. Don't be amazed. I want you to underline that phrase if you have a paper Bible in front of you. Don't be amazed. Don't be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You can't control the wind and you can't control God. You don't decide when you were physically born and you don't decide ultimately who is born again. This Water birth, of course, is a reference to being in your mother's womb, sitting in that giant sack of water. All of you medical professionals out there, don't give me a hard time. I'm just using Bible language right now. I know that it's not water. The spiritual birth, Jesus is describing, is a work of God. And the biggest word in this passage that we've read up to this point is the word and. If you have one but not the other, you're not really born again. Now, I asked you to underline the phrase, be amazed. Because the word, the phrase, be amazed in the Bible, is the phrase that I like to use during my sermons around here when I tell you to lean in. Because literally what Jesus is saying is, I need you to lean in right now, Nicodemus, and don't miss what I'm going to say next. When he says, be amazed, what he's telling Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, I don't want you to be confused, so I need you to put the phone down, and I need you to focus. Nicodemus, I don't want you to miss what I'm going to say next, so I know your children are crawling all over you. I need you to set them off to the side. I need you to look at me in the eyes for just a second, Nicodemus, and I need you to hear what comes out of my mouth next. Don't miss what I'm going to say to you next. Most people believe, and I tend to agree with them, this is an offer to respond to what he's just heard. Nicodemus, I've just told you in the head what you need to know, and now I need you to believe it with your heart. Nicodemus, you're standing on the edge of the ramp, and you have a decision to make. Are you going to step, step back and walk away? Or are you going to take that leap? And Nicodemus, I'm challenging you to take that leap. Actually, Nicodemus, I am pleading with you to take that step of faith. And whoever you are, wherever you are right now, I am challenging you. I'm begging you. Don't close this broadcast 
until you take that step of faith. Because when we get done today, God in heaven will hold you accountable for what you've just heard from the Bible today. Not what you've heard from Jeff, but what you've heard from Jesus. Nicodemus, I need you to lean in. I need you to look me in the eyes. And I need you to hear what I've just said. Because Nicodemus, I'm challenging you to step off of the edge of that ramp and to take it from here and make the jump to here. And I want you to believe, don't reject. I want you to believe what you just heard. Not just understand it. I need you to believe it. And now you, wherever you are, whoever you are, have the same choice in front of you that Nicodemus had. Now that you have been set on the ramp of faith and now you've been looking over the other side in that big gap in the middle, you have to decide, am I going to jump that bottomless pit and go from head to heart, from understanding, like it says on the screen, to believing what I just heard. And Nicodemus struggles with this, so it's okay if you're struggling with this. Look at what Nicodemus says to Jesus next, because he's struggling with what he just heard. Uh, Jesus, I've studied the Bible my whole life. Jeff's commentary before we get to what he says. I've studied the Bible my whole life, and you're telling me something I've never heard before. Question mark. How can these things be, asked Nicodemus? And Jesus says, how did you miss it? Are, are you a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify of what we've seen. But you, religious leaders, all of you super smart people that know all of the Bible answers, but you really don't believe it, you don't accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how would you believe if I told you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. If you were following our service last week, you heard Troy Singleton brilliantly talk about Jesus just declaring his authority and claiming authority over things here on earth. Well, right there, that last verse that you see on the screens is Jesus brilliantly declaring authority over heaven and hell. And here's what he's saying. Nicodemus, only somebody who has been there has the authority to talk about heaven. That's me. Now, you guys can read about it in a book. But I'm telling you from firsthand experience, the one who came from heaven is telling you how you, Nicodemus, can end up there. So the stuff that you read about in a book, that's head knowledge. And I'm glad you got the answers to the questions right, Nicodemus. That's a great start. But it can't stop there. I needed to go from here to here. And Nicodemus, you're on the edge of the ramp, and I'm challenging you to leave the edge of the ramp and to see that I will be with you and I will meet you if you will just take that one step of faith, Nicodemus. But I won't do this for you. I'm calling you to do it. I'm challenging you to do it. But Nicodemus, I won't do this for you. And, God, and Jesus is making the exact same challenge to you, to me, to everyone who's listening to my voice right now. Let's see how this thing ends up. Because once you've made this leap of faith, there's really only two ways that this thing is going to go down. And y'all, I usually like to 
have a little fun up here. I say that you're doing church wrong if you can't have fun in church. But there's nothing funny about what I'm going to say next. You really either do land safely on the other side or you're going to land in a fireball on the other side. It's kind of one or the other. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? Because what I'm saying is there's no middle ground. Jesus is saying, I have authority over heaven. I have authority over hell. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground. Two days ago, this is a great tragedy. A man in the United States, in the state of Washington, by the name of Alex, tried to jump over a canyon and set the Guinness World Record. And unfortunately, here's what happened when Alex tried to jump that, well, I don't know why that little thing is popping up on the screen, but you can see the headline behind it. Motorcyclist Alex Harville dies while attempting a Guinness World Record to jump over Moses Lake in the state of Washington. Jesus is really painting this all or nothing. Either you make the leap from here to here or you don't. It's kind of an all or nothing thing. And here's how it wraps up. We'll look at the rest of this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, verses 14 through 21. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone, that includes you, Nicodemus, who believes, not understands that there really was a guy who lived a long time ago by the name of Jesus. He's no different to you than um, George Washington, there's no difference in your mind between him and Nelson Mandela. I need you to understand not that there was a guy by the name of Jesus that lived a long time ago. I need you to understand that he is alive and wants to have a relationship with you so that everyone who believes in him may have everlasting life. Now, Nicodemus knew exactly what Jesus was talking about when he talked about Moses' snake. And if you've read Numbers chapter 21, you know exactly what he's talking about. But maybe you haven't read Numbers 21. Maybe you're not familiar with this story that the people of Israel sinned, and our sin is so terrible in God's sight that he sent snakes into the camp of Israel. They were biting people, and people were dying by the thousands. So God said, I tell you what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to go construct a bronze pole with a snake at the top. And anytime someone in the camp of Israel gets bitten by a poisonous snake, if they will look at this, just look at the pole and believe, then even though they have the poison of that snake inside of them, I will heal them. And Moses constructs this pole and the people of Israel look to the pole, even though they're bitten by poisonous snakes, and God totally and completely heals them. Does that pole and snake image look similar to you, Christian? Does it look like anything else that you recognize? You can say it out loud. Yeah, it looks a little bit like a cross, right? And if you live in the United States, you know exactly what this symbol means because this is the symbol universally recognized in the United States for medicine, supernatural medicine that can heal you when the snake is climbing up the pole. This is a reference back to Numbers chapter 21. Jesus says, I know you know this story, Nicodemus, because you are an expert in the Bible. What God did with that pole 
and Moses in the Old Testament, he's going to do all over again. And it's this time, instead of a snake on a pole, it's going to be the sun on a cross. And anyone who looks to him and believes, not just understands it up here, but in here, will be totally healed from the terminal illness that every single human being on the planet has, the illness of sin. Only that man on that pole can heal you from the disease of sin. Look at how Jesus picks up the conversation after the snake on the pole. This is the verse that you see held up on signs at giant sporting events because Christians want everyone in the world to hear what the Bible says next. For God so loved you personally in this way. He gave his one and only son so that you personally, if you believe in him, will not perish hell, but have everlasting life heaven. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, I want to make sure you didn't miss what I said, so I'm just going to explain it to you in this way. For God didn't send his son into the world as a harsh father who's mad at you and wants to punish you, who wants to condemn the world. No, he sent his son to save the world through him. And anyone who believes in him, listen to me, Christian, is not condemned. Because he has not believe. But anyone who believes in him is not condemned. Anyone who does not believe is already, notice the verb tense, already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. It's not head, it's heart. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The light's name is Jesus. He said, I am the light. The light has a first name and the first name is Jesus. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. The conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus ends the exact same way that you need to hear it right now. There are two types of people, past tense verses. Jesus makes it clear. It's already, this is already the case. There are those that are already condemned because you heard the name of Jesus and you have it up here, but it's not here. And you're already condemned because you understand, but you don't believe. You never made the jump. And you ended up in a fiery crash on the other side. Or there are those of you who are not condemned already. Not because of any good that you've done. Because of what Jesus has done for you. Did you just hear what I said? Please hear me now, Christian. It's not your sin that sent Jesus to the cross. It's the love of your Father in heaven. And I'm afraid you missed that, so I'm going to say it again and give you a chance to respond. It's not your sin. It's the love of your Father in heaven that sent Jesus to the cross. 
It's not your sin that held him there. It is his love for you that held him there. And no one and nothing can constrain God. Nobody can tell God what to do. Nobody can force God. God just chooses to love you and longs to be in a relationship with you. He wants to be your father. So he says, I'll give everything necessary so that you can be in a relationship with me, so that you can be called my child. And it is God's love. Jesus makes this abundantly clear in 17, 18, and 19. It's not your sin. It's God's love that sent the son to the cross, that held him there and caused him to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It is finished. The wages of sin are paid in full. That's what held Jesus on that cross. And now that you've heard this story today from the Bible, you are accountable for what you've heard, just like Nicodemus was. So I'm pleading with somebody who's watching this broadcast, who has known all the right answers, and it's been here. Today, I'm pleading with you to jump from here to here and to believe it and to act in faith on it. In fact, I'm going to just put two challenges on the screen for us right now. The first is for somebody who views God as a harsh judge, but not a loving father. And maybe for you, it's all intellectual. I'm going to challenge you in just a second. I'm going to pray for you. In fact, in just a second, I'm just going to challenge you to pray and beg King Jesus to do a miracle in your heart and to make you born again today. But Christian, would you look up on the screens at this second thing? This week, when you mess up because you're going to, and when I mess up because I guarantee I'm going to, I will not let my enemy condemn me or criticize me. I will go through this week remembering I am not condemned already. And it's not because I'm a good man. It's not because I did anything right. It is simply and exclusively because of the love of God. Would you please hear what I'm saying? If anyone could get into heaven by knowing the right answers and being a good religious person, it's this guy Nicodemus. And Jesus does not leave that door open today. If anyone could get into heaven by doing good deeds, by praying, by going to church, it would certainly be Nicodemus. I mean, he's got me, he's got you beat by a mile. And Jesus doesn't leave that door open today. It's all about faith, but not head knowledge, heart, born again kind of faith. So would you just bow? Would you let me pray? And would you respond not to me, but what you've just heard from Jesus today? Father, first, I want to pray for your sons and daughters, those that have been born again. When they mess up this week, when I mess up this week, when we're in need of your forgiveness, would you help us to do what we just sang and run to you all over again and again and again and say, God, I'm sorry, Father, would you forgive me? But I do not stand condemned. 
Because the blood of Jesus has paid for my every sin, everything that I have done in the past, every mistake that I make today, and every sin that I will commit in the future. God, I believe I am pure and righteous in your sight simply because of what your son Jesus has done. But Father, I have been praying for weeks for somebody to watch this broadcast who has all the right answers in their head, but it's actually not in their heart. Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? I can't do this. They can't even do it for themselves. Would you step in and grab a hold of a dead heart and start it beating for the first time? Would you do the miracle of new birth in their life right now? God, would you cause somebody to just simply cry out a simple prayer of faith? There's no magic in these words, but a prayer that believes, God, I can't fix myself. I am a sinner and I deserve condemnation. But I believe you love me too much to leave me like that. So you sent your son, Jesus, to rescue me because he wants to be my king. He wants me to be in a relationship with you. And so right here, right now, God, I'm making the leap from head to heart, and I am turning to you and trusting you for the first time. God, would you hear that prayer from heaven? Father, would you do the miracle of new birth right now? And then would you just give Two Cities Church the privilege of hearing about what you're doing right now in somebody's life as they watch this broadcast. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, and we would give you and only you the credit for this. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.